What's going on, everybody? Welcome in to the West Side Sports Podcast. Hope everyone had a fantastic Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, Happy Hanukkah um, to all those who participate or enjoy the holiday. It is December 27th, 2022. Welcome in. This is the West Side Sports Podcast. I am your host, Dakota Esri. Welcome into the podcast. It is a uh, feel-good Tuesday today. On uh, today's podcast, we're going to be dealing with a little bit of everything today. I am going to dive deep into this Denver disaster debacle uh, with Russell Wilson and the current statement and everything that happened from Nathaniel Hackett getting the proverbial hatchet, pardon for the for the pun or for the joke. Um, I couldn't help myself on that. With that being said, um, I know I ask you guys almost every single podcast, and I feel bad for asking this, but I do it for a reason. If you guys enjoy the content um, at some point, if you don't mind, please subscribe. So that way, when I upload these podcasts, it goes straight for your, to your phone for your own convenience. Uh, let's see here. Around the world, Mariners, Seahawks, Kraken, Huskies, NFL Draft, free agency, hot stove. I have got it all for you guys today. And let's strap up. Let's put on the uh, the, the new pair of pants we got for Christmas, the new hoodie, the new pair of socks and britches that we all usually get during the holidays. And let's do it. Obviously, uh, number one storyline across sports is still the fact that Nathaniel Hackett was indeed fired by the Denver Broncos organization. Uh, he was relieved of his duties yesterday morning. Not a shocker in any means. I think the more of the shocker in this current conversation was the fact that it took as long as it did to get to this point in time. The Denver Broncos are an absolutely dumpster fire organization right now. I take no pleasure in that besides for the fact that, yes, that however bad they play for the rest of the season obviously affects the current draft picks for the Seattle Seahawks in the 2023 NFL Draft which is going to be massive and a big storyline as we get closer to the offseason and in the offseason. But let's just get the let's get the elephant out, out of the room right now. The reason why Denver did what they did is because of the loss that happened by the hands of Baker Mayfield, uh, Sean McVay, and the LA Rams. Bobby Wagner had a great day in this game. Baker Mayfield was incredibly efficient. What we saw, and a lot of people were, you know, commenting on Twitter and Instagram and Bleach Report and all this stuff that you see, Seattle should have signed Baker Mayfield. They should have went out and traded for, for, for Baker Mayfield. Here's the facts about Baker Mayfield. And if you guys don't know this by now by watching the years of his games in Cleveland and what he's done in L.A., Baker Mayfield is a complimentary quarterback. He needs a quality running game. He needs good, sustainable uh, management. He needs a solid head coach. He needs a good defense in order for him to be a consistent, relevant quarterback. Yes, he had a good game. Yes, he did everything that Sean McVay asked of him. And I know that there's reports out of L.A. that stating that uh, Matt Stafford had a sit-down podcast with his wife, who happens to be a podcaster like myself, that he would not be retiring. He's not going to hang up his, his cleats. I don't believe this. I don't. I think this is CYA, if you catch my drift. Um, if I'm if I'm Matt Stafford, though, I'm really strongly considering walking away. If Aaron Donald walks away, just walk away with him. It makes the most sense for you. Your body is an absolute broken China hutch, Matt Stafford. I have been um, on record here on this podcast by smashing Matt Stafford. I thought he was not that great of a quarterback, and then he silenced me up and shut me up by winning a Super Bowl. So uh, obviously at that point, I had to eat crow and pluck the feathers out of my teeth, which is what happens when you're right and when you're wrong. Sometimes it happens. 
But the Rams might have find them might have excuse me might have found themselves the next quarterback in the city of L.A., the city of Angels, the city of Mike Trout's. That Baker Mayfield would be a, probably a decent fit for a cheapish amount of money. I don't know what his current contract situation looks like. I did not do that. That kind of information, de- detail, dig dive for you guys. I apologize for that. But um, looking at what the Rams have, a backup quarterback, John Wolford, not good enough. Obviously, Bryce Perkins should probably be in like the XFL or the USFL or whatever the hell it is or the CFL or the whatever it is, you know. He's not a he's not an NFL quarterback. He's not. I'm not trying to um, throw shade on the young man. He can run a little bit. He kind of reminds me of a lesser version of Tyler Huntley. But uh, it's just kind of an interesting state of affairs going on with with the Rams. And this is kind of one to touch on here for a minute. Uh, jumping real quick back to Broncos before we go down to the next uh, docket here on on the list for around the world. Jerry Rosberg. I, I apologize if I have that name wrong. Has been named the interim head coach. For the Denver Broncos, uh, it's going to be interesting to see how they rebound for the next two games. Sounds like names to be that are being um, in, not so much have interest because obviously they have interest, but that are being actively watched are Jim Harbaugh, Sean Payton. Um, Sean Payton's not going to go to Denver. He's not going to go to Denver. He has Vic Fangio, which really he burned his bridges all the way out of Denver. They kicked his ass right out of town. They don't want him back in there. So you're looking at like maybe a Harbaugh. Um, maybe a different coach. I don't know. I don't have a whole list of candidates that, that could be uh, uh head coaches next year, but just a couple of the big names that have been floated around. So I'll keep my eye and my ear down to the ground on that kind of stuff in general. Then another uh, big information docket, Carlos Correa failed another physical. He failed the physical with the Mets for the exact same problem. He failed the physical with the San Francisco Giants. He has a leg problem. For those of you who do not or, or do not know or haven't looked this up uh, extensively, it is a... In an injury issue that happened back in, I believe, in 2014, 2015, in his left leg, he had some kind of a fissure, um, like a fissure surgery where essentially he like fused two bones together, if I understand correctly. It's not a fibula. It's not uh, like, you know, his big bones or anything as far as I'm aware, because the obvious like inside out of these de- of these details have not been released to the general public have not been leaked to twitter i've been looking extensively trying to figure out what the hell is going on with this but the fact too that carlos correa is willing to play third base is very intriguing for a handful of other teams um but the fact that the that he has this many uh, medical concerns over that injury over that surgery on his leg is something definitely keep an eye an eyebrow raised at obviously the Mariners are not going to be interested in this. They're not, they don't want any part of paying somebody 150, $300 million that has a potential leg issue down the road. Um, but just something to keep an eye on from the latest report on bleacher report was that, um, the Mets are about a 55% chance just over. I mean, literally obviously just a hair over 50, 50, 50 to retain Carl Carlos Correa. But I don't think he's going to stay in New York. I think the Mets are going to look at this and say it's not worth the risk. He could have a serious issue down the road. And then we're sitting there log jammed with $150, $200, 300000000 dollars. I don't think he's going to get $300 million. I think he's probably going to get $150 to $200 million for maybe a five-year deal or so. So just something to, to, to keep an eye on. The uh, New York uh, at J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets have uh rebenched the bum, the disappointment, the um the house wrecker that is Zach Wilson. 
for those of you who do not know about that, I'm not going to get into the details on that, but you want to go on Twitter and type in Zach Wilson and uh, his previous endeavors with different women of different players. It's going to be a very interesting what you'll find. Mike White will start Sunday versus the Seattle Seahawks. Joe Flacco will back him up at quarterback. Reports out of New York State very clearly that the organization is planning on moving uh, their own separate ways and moving on from Zach Wilson. Apologize for the page-turning noise, if you guys can hear that, on uh, in the upcoming offseason. Mike White uh, came out of nowhere. Last year, he had a couple of good games, a couple of bad games, but he has the respect of this locker room. He has learned well from Joe Flacco, and he has put himself in a very advantageous situation and position to be able to start possibly next year for the New York Jets. Uh, Red Sox are, quote, listening to offers for left-handed starting pitcher Chris Sale. This is via John Heyman, so I don't know if this is completely a bunch of malarkey, hogwash, uh, whatever you want to call it, uh, BS, but uh, I just don't... I mean, I could see why Red Sox and Boston wants to listen. They're going to be open to listening because why wouldn't you? Chris Sale is going to be paid a crap load of money this upcoming season. Uh, I believe he's $22 million this season for Chris Sale. I could be wrong on that, but uh, I'm trying to remember what it was from, from, from Spotrack. For those who want to know the ins and outs of all major MLB contracts, please check out Spo Spotrack. They are a fantastic website. And really do a good job of giving you the ins and outs of all that good jazz. So, I mean, what it would take for Boston to part ways from with with Chris Sale is probably like a top 15 to 30, pro, at least a top 15, you know, maybe a top 20 prospect. If it's 30, probably two top 30 prospects. And then like an MLB bullpen piece or something. Boston just doesn't want to pay Chris Sale anymore. I don't blame them. Chris Sale is an absolute moron. When it comes down to his like off-field, I saw the videos that went viral of him trashing the locker room in the minor leagues, uh, grabbing TVs off the wall, like just literally ripping them off of the studs. So, and then the reports also came out that he was punching walls. That's how he broke his hand because clearly, like I said, Chris Sale was a moron. And he, um, quite frankly, if I'm Chris Sale, I found good to a team like the Dodgers. I found good to a team to like um, the Braves. Uh, maybe Phillies um, after they lost Zach Elflin in the, in the offseason, then maybe you, you you look at that. But there's just so many injury concerns with with Chris Sale, and you really don't know what he's going to be able to do because when he's at his best, he's one of the top 30, 30, 35 fringe top best pitchers in baseball. So be curious to keep an eye on that. And then the last piece of around the world today is the is a trade, and I'm going to talk about what the implications of this trade are in the next Mariners section here right after this. The Blue Jays and Arizona Diamondbacks struck a trade the last couple of days for outfielder slash center Dalton Varsho from the Arizona Diamondbacks for Lourdes Gurriel Jr. and Gabriel Moreno. Lourdes Gurriel Jr. is a one-year rental. You utility player can literally play every position on the diamond besides for first base. Um, I do believe that is. Uh, but the thing of that comes down is Moreno was the number two catching prospect in baseball behind Francisco Alvarez of the New York Mets. Guy has a cannon for an arm, has pretty good ability to cover bat to ball skills at the plate. Uh, good field general reminds me a lot of maybe like a fringe. I don't want to say Pudge Rodriguez, but he's got a similar build to him. He's got a really strong arm. The bat skills are a little bit, uh, need some time to still kind of work on, but he's a solid triple A. You probably could slot him in to start the season. Uh, I know Arizona doesn't have a whole lot of depth behind Carson Kelly at catcher, so something to keep an eye on there for sure. And the fact that uh, Dalton Varsho 
For those who do not know, solid player, was the catcher for Arizona for like a year, I believe, a year, year and a quarter before they just put Carson Kelly there on a daily basis. They put him out to the outfield as he played outfield in college. He is an elite right fielder when it comes to defensive metrics. He has four years of club control, which is why you paid an extensive amount for him because you have that much more time and under uh, team control with the organization. And the reason why I want to talk about this and in the Mariners section is because this Varsha trade directly affects, in my opinion, the trade value for Brian Reynolds. I think it went up a little bit, to be honest, because I don't think anybody expected them to trade Moreno. Uh, a lot of reports were trying to uh, trade Danny Jansen instead, but Danny Jansen did not nearly have the intrigue or the value on the market that Gabriel Moreno did. So... Uh, I think the uh, the interesting part about this for Brian Reynolds is just the fact that they're going to want more reports of Pittsburgh or they want young, controllable starting pitching to headline this deal. Uh, the Dodgers called. They wanted uh, Bryce Miller or uh, Shelby Miller or Bryce Miller, I think it is. Yeah, Shelby Miller. Dude is a top, like, I don't know, three pitching prospect in baseball right now. That is a ridiculous asking price to start off with. Pittsburgh. Let me make this abundantly clear. If you have anybody, uh, if you're a Pittsburgh Pirates fan that are listening to this, I appreciate you listening. I really do. Here is the cold hard facts. Every day that Brian Reynolds stays in your organization and keeps withering down the years of club control, the less and less value he's going to accrue in, in the trade market. He is an incredibly talented player. Yes, he's a very good switch hitter. Yes, he runs well. He plays good defense. He's got three-plus years of club control, so he's got one less year than, than Dalton Varsho. The guy was a—he's uh, a perennial all-star. He's going to hit 280 at bare minimum, probably can hit you 20, 25 dingers at bare minimum. That's a solid player. But um, if you wanted, like, Emerson Hancock and, like, Emerson, Emerson Hancock, Jared Kelenic, uh, Brian Wu— and maybe like a Taylor Dollard, I'd do it. But I'm not giving you Harry Ford. I know Harry Ford's probably a couple of years away. For those who do not know who Harry Ford is, please check out previous podcasts. I do an extensive state of the farm uh, during the regular season on who the heck these guys are, what their projections are, kind of comparisons and comps as to who they could be. Uh, but Harry Ford is our number one prospect. So um, if you guys want Emerson Hancock for him, I'd be more than happy to, to, to do that trade because of the fact that his value is bounced up and down. I'm not trading Bryce Miller. I think Bryce Miller is going to be a stud pitcher for this organization. He's going to make a solid impact this year, just like George Kirby. Um, probably why we haven't seen any trade conversation here, which I'm going to get into here in a minute as well. But um, the value of Jared Kelnick in this deal is a really confusing topic because Jared Kelnick has definitely had a lesser value than he did two years ago when his value was incredibly high. But it sounds like the Mariners are not even close to interesting in it, or even uh, being included in this deal unless they get Jared Kelnick as one of the headlining pieces to save the rest of their farm organization when it comes to pitching depth as the Mariners are known for their starting pitching depth in general throughout the major leagues. Um Matt Brash, some reports are uh, after driveline. He's continuing to work on the cutter and working on lengthening himself out as a starting pitcher. This has got a lot more intrigue behind it, as obviously I did touch on this a couple podcasts ago with the fact that Jerry did stay uh, state on Brock and Salk show as well as in their end of year press conference that Matt Brash would be stretching back out to a starting pitcher. That would obviously dramatically increase his trade valuer and uh, his trade, excuse me, his trade value in uh, this upcoming uh, uh, hot stove and free agency and trade the discussion time. But um, it's just really tough for me to say, like, I would love Brian Reynolds to come here. I've been talking about this till the cows come home and the roosters, you know, lay eggs, right? 
excuse me, but uh, it's just I'm kind of beating around the bush with this. So I'm, I'm I'm just gonna say it. Jerry is going to make a trade. If he doesn't, all hell is going to break loose. Hell is, hell will freeze over, right? It's got done playing God of War Ragnarok. So for those of you who are nerds, rock on. Appreciate you. Um, but it's just a lot to ask for, and I feel like. Pittsburgh's going to ask so much for Brian Reynolds because their farm situation is so poor that it would just take too much. And it's going to put us, set us back. But I mean, granted, a lot of these players are, you know, besides for like Taylor, Taylor, uh, Taylor Dollard, excuse me, is going to be uh, like MLB ready to go prospect that it's just going to cost too much. And I think we should probably turn our direction towards something different. But it's easy to say when the Mariners have an injectedly crap all offseason besides for Taylor Hernandez and Colt Long. International draft is officially less than two weeks away for your Seattle Mariners. Felnin Celestine by MLB Pipeline has been ranked the number five prospect in the farm system right now. The other two pitchers coming out of Mexico are also inside the top 30. I did not give a specific number on that because I believe they were like 23 and 26. But Celestine is going to be an incredible prospect. He's going to be moving quickly throughout this farm system and I anticipate a Julio-like ascend for this kid, but you really don't know until you get to the point where he starts playing, uh, I know at, you know, high a low a, uh, DSL. For those who don't know what the DSL is, that is a Dominican summer league, kind of like the AZL or American, uh, American fall league, AFL, excuse me. So just kind of curious as well. What MB becomes of this? Obviously, if we have anything pop up, I don't care if it's a minor league signing. I don't care if it's for a small deal. I don't care if it's a small trade. I will cover it for you guys and give you everything you need to know on that. Okay, let's get to the hard part of today's podcast. The Seattle Seahawks went into Kansas City and quite frankly got thumped. It didn't look like it in the world in the first half. Wasn't pretty second half. Played a lot better. Um, they lost, you know, still 24-10. You lose by, by, by two scores, in my opinion, is a blowout. Some people will agree. Some people will disagree. That's fine. The Seahawks have lost five out of the last six games, right? Offense struggled in the first half to find any kind of a rhythm. Uh, they couldn't really get anything established in the run game, the passing game. Gino was running for his proverbial freaking life. And uh, it's just, you know, when you watch the Seahawks play, it's like you're watching two different teams, right? I heard uh, Brock and Saul talk about this all the time. And I think this is an incredibly uh, correct and bold statement. Who the hell are these Seahawks? Right? Or were we? Is it what the team that we watched the last six weeks? Uh, going a lot, losing five out of the last six games. Was the team that go, went into LA and beat the Chargers and looked great and looked on top of their stuff and was super crisp. Everything was on time. There was no, um, you know, offensive line was holding up well. There was no miscommunications going on. Everything was right on script. We haven't been on script for six straight weeks. I don't care. If it's Pete Carroll saying, you know, we played, you know, we just have been playing complimentary football. Why? Complimentary football is the exact definition of what Seahawk football is. You have to run the game with conviction. You need to have a thumping defense. You need to have a decent pass rush on, on a consistent basis. I miss the days of the NASCAR package. Chris Clemens, Tony McDaniel, Michael Bennett, Cliff Averill. The list goes on. Um... It's just really frustrating. Like, I'll be honest with you guys, right? And I wasn't going to tell you guys this. I stopped watching this football game before the half because I've just told myself, this is not productive. This is going to cause me, as the fan, nothing but heartache and frustration, right? And I know I should have watched the whole game. I understand that they ran the ball considerably better in the second half and the defense looked considerably better inside the second half and they held the Chiefs to some stats, which I'll get into here in a minute. But... 
K9 uh, is really the, you know, the the straw that, you know, that turns and stirs the, 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 this cup, right? 107 yards, 26 carries for, 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 for Ken Walker. He was just, he told um, reporters at uh, the end of uh, Saturday's game that players came up to him and told them, you need to be decisive in your runs. Be decisive. Be with conviction. Run and make up your mind and go downhill. And when he did, it was a huge difference. We saw a completely different Ken Walker. It was enjoyable to watch. I was like, you know, I saw highlights of it. It was fun. I was like, where the hell was that in the first half? You know, it's not Shane Waldron. It comes down to the guys. You know, you can have Shane Waldron's a smart guy. He's got a good scheme, but you have to execute. That's why you're seeing teams like the Eagles. Um, not so much the Bills lately. Um, I'm trying to think of teams that have been playing really well. The Vikings, they tend to execute pretty dang well, very consistently. And this is what happens. The Niners, they execute so damn well. They know what they're doing. This is your assignment. This is what we're asking you to do. And they do it soundly and consistently on a week-to-week basis. 133 total rushing yards in this game. Much better. Geno, okay, I guess. Uh, 25 out of 40, 215 yards, touchdown, a pick, sack twice. But uh, the interception came inside the red zone. Obviously, you can't have those. That's just a backbreaker. But it's just, it was another meh. It was a like a basic vanilla flavored ice cream game. And for those who like vanilla flavored ice cream, not trying to throw shade. Not trying to talk crap. But it's like the most bland flavor, you know? Uh, DK also just kind of meh. Okay, mid, I guess, as the people say these days. Seven receptions, 81 yards. Um, He was just kind of, you know... He did okay. I was want a I want a ball game. I want 150 yards from DK Metcalf. And quite frankly, I want a statement saying I can be the number one. I don't have to be second fiddle to 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 Tyler Lockett, you know. But unfortunately, we weren't able to see it. However, I was very happy to see talking about the passing game that Colby Parkinson and Laquan Treadwell were able to get involved and incorporated in the offense this week. Colby Parkinson threw three receptions, 45 yards, with a long of 39. I love Colby Parkinson. This guy needs to be included more often. He needs to be involved with more bootlegs and stuff like that. He's six foot eight for the love of the Lord. The dude is huge, ladies and gentlemen. It ain't, I mean, you can't miss him on the football field. He looks like a giant caveman with his hair flowing around inside the wind. It's like Fabio, right? Uh... Treadwell, three receptions, 20, 26 yards, nothing flashy. DJ Dallas had six catches as well. But it was just one of those games where you're like, you had, you could have beat the Chiefs. You could have. I mean, look, I mean, you held the defense, held KC to under 300 yards, right? Uh, they were, we were two out of 14 on, on third down. That is atrocious. That's god awful. You are not going to beat any team going two of 14 on third down. Pete knows this. Uh, two injuries to note of. Um, Will Disley has a knee contusion, a deep knee bruise. He got a little imaging done. No, no uh, update on that quite yet. I'm sure they'll probably be coming out here any minute as we speak. And Abe Lucas had a patellar tendon issue. Sounds like he's been dealing with this issue for a couple of weeks now. Um, there's He got some imaging done. No reports have come on that quite yet. I will be digging on that uh, deeper on throughout the course of the day as I'm sitting here. Actually, I'm going to do a quick check to make sure I'm not behind on you guys because obviously this has got huge implications for our season. So let's see if I can see anything for you guys. Sorry about that, Robin. A little bit of some some technical difficulties here real quick. Um, I'm going to wrap it up real quick here. Tariq Wollin was hardly even targeted inside, inside of this game. Um, he continues to be a shutdown corner inside the league, which is what we expected. I mean, after obviously not when he was drafted, he his project. But the guy has got absolutely incredibly ball, incredible ball skills. He's got top-notch top speed. I bet he's the fastest corner in football. 
and uh, we'll see what happens with Abe Lucas and uh, Will Will Disley when I get those uh, information and those tidbits. I will update that on my Twitter handle, capital PNW Professor. You can find me there. Um, Kraken lost six to five to Vancouver in the shootout. Goals by Oliver Bjorkstrand, uh, Jordan McCann, Daniel Sprong had two. Prepare for the Calgary Flames to come in and play on Wednesday. Game will be on ESPN Plus. Bleacher Report rankings for the Kraken put them at number 10 in the NHL. And right now is a pretty good time for uh, sports fans in general. Yes, it's, it's disappointing that the, the Mariners haven't done anything in the free agency. But as the old saying goes, in the woods, you can only do so much with, 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 with what's given to you. So, hope you guys enjoyed today's podcast. We're just about the 25-minute mark, and I'm going to hop out for today. Obviously, if anything happens for the Seahawks, uh, Kraken, Mariners, anything breaking news, I'll be doing a breaking uh, podcast news, uh, kind of giving the ins and outs of what happens. But until then, hope you guys have a fantastic Tuesday. And uh, I'll, I'll talk to you guys maybe tomorrow. We'll see what happens. Peace.